What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. So I'm going to tell you a bit of my story in the beginning of this episode. There's some self-diagnosing, and I want to say that I'm not a psychologist, so please take it with a grain of salt. My name is Lowell Berlanti, and this is Prodigy. In the fourth grade, my mom decided to homeschool me. She wasn't strict, so I liked the structure school provided, but loved the freedom. In the ninth grade, I convinced my mom to send me to school, and she enrolled me in a small Christian academy. It was awesome to be around so many people, but there were so many rules. And when I got in trouble for something minor, like not wearing a belt, it just pissed me off. A year later, I was at a friend's house with some classmates. As a joke, I grabbed a girl's car keys, hopped into her car, and drove down the street. I was going too fast at the first curve. The car went off the road and hit a tree. The impact felt like it rebooted my brain. A second later, I found myself in a hazy atmosphere of yellow interior lights, diffused by powder from the airbags. A warning sound was beeping in the background. What had I done? The feeling that hits you a second after a life-altering screw-up is surreal. Your first thought is, please let this be a dream. But it never is. I ended up with a lot of community service, but ultimately avoided any serious consequences. At the beginning of the 11th grade, I transferred to public school. With less rules, I got into less trouble. Classes were easy, but I pretty much hated the busy work. I spent most of my free time with friends, working out, and chasing girls. I managed to graduate with decent grades and go to college. I wanted to be a doctor, so I enrolled in pre-med. Organic chemistry was a prerequisite. It was considered to be a difficult class that filtered people out. It was my first experience with real academic failure. Turns out, you have to actually study to learn the material. I ended up switching to communications and graduating in five years with the minimum possible grades. School just wasn't my thing, I guess. I had septoplasty to fix a deviated septum and discovered that the pain medicine made me feel pretty good and content in the moment. I lived with my parents, had no job, and was getting hooked on drugs. Thankfully, I had an excellent support system in my family. I was able to recover, unlike many who were less fortunate. My parents loved me, but wanted me to get the F out of their house. 
I liked video production class I took in college, so I started freelancing as a videographer. I was optimistic, but my work kind of was average, and I lived with a constant void inside of me. My parents paid for me to regularly visit a psychiatrist, and during one appointment, I sort of told him what my symptoms were, and he said I might have ADHD, and wrote me a prescription. And I was like, do I actually have it? I'm not hyperactive. I can focus when I want to. I mean, stimulants have helped me accomplish things in the past, like cramming for tests, but they make me jittery, and I thought medication was supposed to make you calm if you had ADHD. No, I definitely don't have it. I'm just broken. But the medication was helping a lot. I learned how to build a website and ranked it at the top of Google. I was getting a lot of business, but abusing the medication. I'd stay up for days working, then crash and sleep for a day. I ended up getting a job offer for a small agency and took it. Me and my dog packed up a U-Haul and drove to Atlanta. I no longer had access to my psychiatrist, so I quit taking the medication. I fell into a comfortable routine of doing the bare minimum. I had originally told myself I'd only stay for a couple of years before I found a new job, but I, I was there for like six years before I really felt I had to get out. I had an opportunity to get into podcasting, so I took it. I really enjoyed the work and performed well, but still couldn't find the motivation to really excel at it. I knew I probably needed to see a psychiatrist, but couldn't bring myself to actually do it. I felt a strong mismatch between what I perceived my potential to be and what I could actually accomplish. I started using Reddit, and while browsing the ADHD group, I slowly began to realize that it was actually a real possibility. At the beginning of lockdown, I finally had enough and made an appointment. On April 26th of 2020, I was given a series of tests by a clinical psychologist. He gave me the Weschler Abbreviated Scale of Intelligence Test, a portion of the Weschler Adult Intelligence Scale, the Trail Making Test, the Letter Number Sequencing Test, ADHD Rating Scale, and the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory. On the Intelligence Test, I scored 120, which is the 91st percentile. For the trail making and letter number sequencing tests, I scored in the 20th percentile. So 80% of the people in my age group did better. That sharp difference between my intelligence score and working memory implied a severe impairment. So I was diagnosed with ADHD, predominantly the inattentive type. After getting the diagnosis, a lot of things in my past made sense. Getting in trouble in school was impulsivity. I could focus for hours on end but only when I was interested in the material. Otherwise, it was the bare minimum. Substance abuse was self-medicating. My poor memory was inattention. When I started taking the medication, things changed a lot. My mood stabilized, and I had an eagerness to learn and create that sort of filled that void in my life. I made a pitch for a show and spent weeks creating the pilot. It was super nerve-wracking to set it out. I mean, failure at this point would kind of crush me, but it was greenlit, and you're listening to it now. Medication definitely didn't make my life perfect. I mean, I still struggle with focus and motivation. And you could probably just listen to my voice and hear the ADHD. But it's more manageable. And I've learned strategies that help reduce the negative aspects that I experience. I wanted to tell my story to illustrate that ADHD is not always obvious. And that the symptoms can cause serious issues in your life. Let's break down what the disorder actually is so we can understand why. ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. 
Attention deficit disorder used to be diagnosed separately, but later it was determined that the two aren't different, just that hyperactivity exists on a spectrum of severity. Attention is the process of selectively concentrating on one source of information or thought process while filtering out others. For example, when you're reading a book, the whole text is in your field of vision, but you can only focus on a few words at a time. In order for information to get into your working memory, you have to focus your attention on it. Working memory is the same as short-term memory, except it includes the ability to manipulate information. Short-term memory is considered only for storage, so when you focus your attention on something, it enters your working memory. Your working memory is limited in capacity. The two types are auditory and visual. They're considered to have separate but related capacities. I can't listen to two podcasts at the same time, but I can listen to a podcast and drive at the same time. However, listening to a podcast and driving will decrease my attention to both. If you recall what it was like the first time you drove on the highway, it took a lot more focus. Through repetition and practice, driving required less attention. The ability to perform repetitive tasks without focusing on the details is called automaticity. So once information is in your working memory, it can be encoded into long-term memory and retrieved when needed. Working memory is incredibly important and some studies have shown it to be a more accurate predictor of academic success than IQ. Cognitive flexibility is the mental ability to switch your attention between two different concepts or both simultaneously. Lastly is inhibitory control. This is the ability to suppress impulsive behavior. Like if somebody's tailgating you and you get the impulse to slam on your brakes. These three processes of working memory, cognitive flexibility, and impulse control make up what psychologists call executive function. So people with ADHD have problems with their executive function. Executive function determines our behavior, thoughts, decisions, emotional regulation, and ability to learn. So while ADHD initially doesn't seem serious compared to other disorders, it's actually extremely significant. Executive functioning takes place in the frontal lobe of our brain, which is responsible for problem solving, memory, impulse control, planning, attention, language, motivation, perception of time, and social behavior. Since the frontal lobe is responsible for all these behaviors, the rate of people with ADHD who also have another disorder is high. Two or more disorders is called comorbidity. Two-thirds of children with ADHD also have another disorder. The most common ones associated with it are oppositional defiant disorder and conduct disorder. And as I was just researching this now, I realized I may have had oppositional defiant disorder as well. Symptoms include the following. Easily loses temper, angry and resentful, hostility toward authority figures, refusal to comply with requests, purposely annoys others, blames others for mistakes. I recall an incident in grade school that is a good example of this. We had a substitute coach that day and I didn't really like him. I said something rude and he requested that I run laps around the field. This made me kind of angry, so I fomented a small rebellion. I convinced half the team to go hold our own practice on the adjacent field. The next day I was removed from the baseball team and told I had one strike left before expulsion. I knew I probably wouldn't last long, so I took the opportunity to go to public school. This caused me trouble over the years, but I feel like I've fully grown out of it. Some children also grow out of ADHD. We'll break down the tests that were given to me after a quick break. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. 
With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Welcome back to Prodigy. If you're interested in learning strategies for dealing with ADHD, there's a YouTube channel called How to ADHD. It's a useful resource. Let's take a look at the tests that were used to diagnose me. The first test given to me was an intelligence test. IQ stands for Intelligence Quotient. It's a scale for measuring intelligence compared to others in your age group. The French government commissioned Alfred Binet to create it so they could identify children that needed special assistance in school. Binet was clear that intelligence is too broad to quantify with a single number, and that it should only be compared with children of the same age and background. When it came to the U.S., Stanford psychologist Lewis Terman standardized it for Americans, and in 1916, the Stanford Binet IQ test was born. It calculated a person's score by dividing their mental age by their physical age, and multiplying by 100. So if your mental age is 12 and your physical age is 10, that gives you 1.2. And multiplied by 100, that's 120. Psychologist David Weschler believed the test was too limited. So in 1955, he created the Weschler Adult Intelligence Scale. Instead of scoring based on mental to physical age, it compared your results to others in the same age group, based on 100 being the fixed mean. It also provides subscores in verbal comprehension, perceptual reasoning, working memory, and processing speed. I took a version of this test and scored in the 91st percentile for intelligence, giving me a full-scale IQ of 120, which is pretty good. I was also given select subtests to measure my working memory. The first is called the trail-making test. It measures your attention and cognitive flexibility. I was given a paper with 25 circles placed randomly. Inside each circle was a number or a letter. The numbers were 1 through 13, and the letters were A through L. The test is completed by drawing a line connecting all the circles in order. The required order was 1, A, 2, B, 3, C, and so on. The test is scored based on how quickly you complete it. The other subtest I was given for working memory is called the letter number sequencing test. I was read a mixed sequence of numbers and letters, and my task was to repeat the sequence back with the numbers in order, then the letters in order. I scored in the 20th percentile for working memory which indicates a severe impairment. That score alone wouldn't be an indication of ADHD if it matched my other score. The massive gap between working memory and intelligence implies that my working memory is faulty and is an obvious indicator of ADHD. I was diagnosed with primarily the inattentive type, so essentially I have trouble controlling my attention. 
While writing this episode, I was reviewing the report the psychologist had given me, and I realized he used a version of the Weschler Intelligence Test from 1981. There are two more recent versions. The reason this matters is due to the Flynn Effect. The Flynn Effect is a substantial increase in intelligence scores over time. The Weschler test I took shows approximately a three-point increase per decade. There are many theories for the reason for this. The main one is an increasingly literate society. Flynn gave an example in an interview with The Guardian. He asked the interviewer, what do dogs and rabbits have in common? The interviewer said, they're both mammals, which was correct. Flynn said that a boy from the early 1900s would say that the dog hunts the rabbit, so our understanding increases over time. The other interesting thing from Flynn's research is that the intelligence score of underdeveloped countries is increasing faster than developed ones. This negates the argument that lower IQ scores mean a disadvantaged race is genetically inferior. If you listen to the third episode of Prodigy, The Source Code, he was responding directly to Arthur Jensen, who actually praised Flynn's critique of his own work. There's a lot of different studies on what the cause for the increase is and why it's declining now, but the main question is, is intelligence actually increasing or is it due to environmental factors like better education, literacy, and nutrition? The most recent version of the Weschler test was published 27 years after the version I took. So according to the Flynn effect, I probably would have scored lower. The other test I was given is the MMPI-2, which is the second edition of the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory. It's the most widely used measurement for adult psychopathology. What's interesting about it is that it has validity scales to determine if a subject is providing misleading answers. It's very useful for differential diagnosis. So oftentimes disorders can share symptoms, so the test helps to differentiate one from the other. ADHD can be easily misdiagnosed as anxiety or depression, which is one reason why some adults don't realize they have it. ADHD isn't measured by the MMPI, but it helps to rule out other disorders. My results showed no diagnosable psychopathology. I want to add here that if you're given the MMPI too, you should answer as honestly and straightforward as possible, or it could invalidate your results or skew your diagnosis. ADHD can even affect your sex life. Common reported issues are hypersexuality, hyposexuality, and difficulty achieving orgasm. Impulsive behavior can lead to unsafe sex. Although ADHD is an impairment of neurotypical functioning, it can have some positive effects. Impulsiveness can lead to quick action, and willingness to take risks can lead to greater payoffs. Richard Branson and Bill Gates are extreme examples. Enhanced creativity is common because one of the main symptoms is divergent thinking, which is the ability to produce creative solutions that greatly differ from one another. Da Vinci, Picasso, and Van Gogh are all rumored to have ADHD. Neurotypical people often have a linear thought process, which makes it more difficult to make cognitive creative leaps, but they are better at convergent thinking, which is a sustained form of creativity. The ability to hyperfocus on interesting subjects can mean extreme productivity and quick reactions in emergency situations. If you can nurture the positive aspects and compensate for the negative ones, then it's perfectly reasonable to live a happy, successful life. Months ago when I got diagnosed, I got in touch with another podcaster who has ADHD. It's been a constant struggle for him, but he's really smart and is in school to be a physical therapist. His friends call him Ziggy. You know, especially when you're young, you don't really notice anything right? Because you don't really have any sort of people to kind of compare yourself to, right? You think that you are normal, but it's until, you know, adults, namely teachers, step up and say, you know what, relative to the other kids, we think that 
He may be a bit more hyperactive. He may be a bit more disruptive during you know, classroom time. Maybe you should guys look to get him checked out. You know, for ADHD. You know, once high school started hitting, and I actually had to put in effort outside of class. When I wasn't on my medication, I realized I can't. I am physically unable to make any sort of progress with what I need to do. That's when you kind of realize, oh, the way the way I function isn't quote unquote normal. And when you kind of have that moment that chemically you know and you realize I'm not normal, the way I think isn't how everybody else thinks, kind of sucks. And you know, you're like, this this is not my potential. This is not where I can go with my life. But without any sort of chemical assistance, there is a hard ceiling. Looking back at high school, I never really knew my full potential until I was really consistently on the medication because I refused to be on the medication in high school. I hated the way it made me feel. I just stopped taking it. Simple as that. Because I, I had my psychiatrist and I also had a counselor and she worked with me to kind of develop coping mechanisms or develop tools that would help me function better without the use of medication. For example, um, we found that working out before I studied was very beneficial. Instead of trying to study before my evening training, I would study after my evening training. And yes, I may be up a little later, but I'd be able to focus and get more done in that time. And we found that, you know, for whatever reason, there's a select few songs that worked very well in helping me retain focus. In college, my freshman year, I tried to do without medication. I couldn't manage. Right? It was me not doing anything and then me, you know, with all the stress and all the pressure, just cramming, you know, for the week before my finals, just you know, going 48 hour, 52 hour days of just being awake. It was just, it was never it was never gonna work. And I went to a bad place with with drugs and stuff, um, just not not in a good place. And then I was in there for about a year. Beginning of this most recent year, beginning of my junior year, I kind of just got help and I got to a better place and I talked to psychiatrists and I said, you know what, I need to get back on medication. It's been a few years. Let's try to reevaluate me, got me back on a good better place, helped so much with school. I've noticed while I was on the Adderall, I was getting shortness of breath and I felt like my chest was tightening in very quickly. That was unnerving to say the least. And we talked to my psychiatrist and he said, let's take a break. During that low that low period, uh, my first years of college, I felt obviously I felt like I I, I was depressed. Right. I had depression being in bed and not being able to physically get out of there till like six to six in the evening, but getting out, eating, maybe watching an hour of TV and then going back to bed at like 10 o'clock and doing it all again for weeks and weeks on end. I see now when I'm now not on the medication anymore for a few weeks, I've noticed myself falling back into that. Right. And it seems like that the stimulant helps me just function throughout my day because it is very easy to not do something, especially when you're on ADHD, when you have ADHD, it's very easy to just get distracted easily. And, and if something requires a little bit too much effort, you, at least for me, I feel like I just resort to what requires the least amount of effort. What do you think are some of the positive aspects you've experienced? In terms of impulsivity, negative connotation. All right, put a positive connotation on the word. What do you get? You get spontaneity, right? You're more willing to do, th- do things outside the box. You're more willing to be a little bit more adventurous with what you do. And you know, maybe the flip side is that you don't you take more risks Right, but no, no risk, no reward kind of mentality. Instead of instead of doing something that's boring, let's just jump off a cliff. Let's do some fun. Obviously, the thing is you can't focus, but it feels like there is a other end of the spectrum that you can get to without being on medication. Like you're you're hyper focused, unlike somebody that doesn't have ADHD. By that I mean, if you're very passionate about something, ADHD person is going to be a lot more inclined, a lot more motivated to 
put all of their resources into that and all of their effort into that one thing if they're really passionate about it. We're going to speak with psychiatrist Dr. Gail Saltz right after a quick break. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Welcome back to Prodigy. You can find several different ways to get in touch with me at ProdigyPodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you. This is Dr. Gail Saltz. She's a psychiatrist, psychoanalyst, best-selling author, and host of the podcast Personology, which psychoanalyzes your favorite historical figures. Medication only works while you're taking medication. It doesn't change brain structure or function over the long haul such that at some point going to be able to taper off of medication and still have those particular benefits. That's, I guess, what I would call a Band-Aid. The cognitive behavioral treatments are permanent coping tools that do make change. If it's mild, you definitely would try to stick with psychotherapies and coping tools. If it's severe and it's, you know, really interfering, in other words, this is a kid who can't academically participate and it's interrupting relationships or moreover, it's the impulsivity is such that uh, it's dangerous, which is something we really strongly consider in adolescence, then you really want to consider medication right away. Sometimes you have a kid that you treat with psychotherapy and you get them to adolescence and some of those features that are more have to do with risk-taking and impulsivity then become of real concern because in adolescence, the amygdala is on overdrive. That's, you know, the part of the brain that amongst other things says that really felt good. Let's do it again. And the frontal cortex is not fully developed. So the cognitive ability to say, well, if I do this today, what will happen to me tomorrow? Consequence is not fully developed. So adolescents are at real risk. And that's why often it's felt important to medicate them during that high risk period, for example, you know, driving and or drink, you know, use of drugs or alcohol, sexual behavior, things that adolescents may do and not be able to uh, manage the potential 
risks of impulsive behavior, therefore it's dangerous. So you you might want to medicate them through that time, but then take them off, you know, as an adult. What types of medications are typically prescribed? You've heard of Adderall or Ritalin, but there are other stimulants. Stimulants as a category that generally affect the norepinephrine neurotransmitter system, which means that they leave more norepinephrine around in the synapse to be used. It's effectively like increasing your norepinephrine noradrenaline level. So it seems counterintuitive that a stimulant would allow you to slow down and concentrate more effectively and feel less hyperactive, but that's exactly what it does. It's effective for about 70 to 80% of people with ADHD. The issues that arise are, and choices have to do with how long an acting agent you want to use. There are short acting ones that are like four to six hours. There are longer acting ones that are like eight to 12 hours. They work right away. That's a plus. The negative is that as soon as you've come down off of it, they stop working. They have the potential for abuse. They have the potential for addiction and tolerance, therefore. And so over time, one might need more of them. They do have the potential for side effects. Some people tolerate them very well. Other people have a lot of difficulty. They can generate more anxiety, jitteriness. They can increase tics. So there are things to consider if you're going to choose that class of drug. And of course, then there's the concern about whether, you know, they're in the 70, 80% it's helpful for. But when it is, it can be hugely helpful. The other general class of drug are non-stimulants. They are longer acting. They have to be taken for several weeks before they become effective because you have to achieve a blood level for them to be effective. You take them all the time as opposed to stimulants. It's often recommended to take a drug holiday. So like a student might be off it for the summer or not use it on the weekends. Someone should be monitored closely for mood and suicidal ideation. Aside from that, it's often well-tolerated. It's often not as effective as the stimulant category. It's a second-line treatment for those who probably can't tolerate stimulants. Would you say that it's overdiagnosed or underdiagnosed? Well, it definitely used to be underdiagnosed, as most mental health issues <laughs> have been. It's still probably underdiagnosed in adults who were just unaware that that's what they struggled with in school, you know, and in early life because it doesn't present in adulthood. It presents in childhood. They might not have known what the issues were and just thought, and I, I often see this adult, they thought they were stupid, a bad student, a screw up, just sort of a bad kid is, is the feedback that they got, a difficult kid. And sadly, that can really shape what happens to you as an adult when in fact they were struggling with ADHD. Today, I would say, you know, many, many more people in general and schools and teachers in particular are very aware of the diagnosis. It's probably the most common diagnosis in the classroom. I wouldn't say it's being overdiagnosed, but I would say that medication is needed sometimes, but it's maybe over-medicated in the sense that um, not Enough people try cognitive behavioral therapy or psychotherapy alone to look at the improvement. Why? Because it's more expensive and it's very effortful to go through psychotherapy. You don't really want to have to be committed to medication for life. You'd like to use it when you need it. 
and learn some things and make brain changes, basically, is what I'm talking about, um, that allow you to, at some point, not need it. Academically, for example, a lot of the teachings have to do with methods of organizing work, which is one of the biggest, you know, I mean, is a big issue for academically for kids and later in work for adults. Um, so, you know, that might be uh, very specific methods of underlining directions, circling particular word types that drive what you're going to do to highlight those words. They're basically teaching executive function skills that are not intuitive because executive function is is a specific area that is often affected for those with ADHD. And so it's specifically teaching those kinds of organizational skills and reinforcing them such that they're just the mode of work. Check out the YouTube channel, How to ADHD, for some helpful tips. Next week's episode will be about gaming. I talked to an esports psychologist, a speedrunner, and others about the world of professional gaming. Dr. Gail Saltz's podcast is called Personology and is starting a new season. It psychoanalyzes your favorite historical figures. I'm a producer on it and a big fan. I'll link it on the episode page. I have so many questions to ask and a ton of really interesting topics to cover. So subscribe to the show because I'll be back next week with another episode of Prodigy. Prodigy was created and produced by me, Lowell Berlanti. The executive producer is Tyler Klang. Prodigy is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.